0: Roll Tide everybody and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample along with engineer producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama and if you're anything like us you're wearing a great big grin about another Iron Bowl win. It's an even bigger thrill than last year's roadkill because this knockout was a shutout with the Tide putting two more titles on the totem pole by winning the state championship and bringing the SEC West Crown back to T-Town. So the Tigers got routed and the trophy room just got more crowded. This was Iron Bowl number 77, and it was heaven for the home team. Who the funk we'd be repeating the 49-0 beating we put on Western Carolina the week before? And I'm not sure, but those cats didn't have more fans in the stands than the East Alabama brand. But then again, they may be kin. I don't know. But no matter what your politics are, when it comes to pigskin, if you were looking for Blue Dots and Bryant-Denny, there weren't very many. It's a red state. Again. Now, Bama, of course, dominated Saturday's game from a statistical standpoint, but there was one number where the two teams were dead even. Bama had seven touchdowns, and Auburn had seven first downs. So Bama not only beat Western Carolina and Auburn by the same 49-0 score, but the Tigers and the Catamounts wound up with the same amount of total offense, 163 yards. Now let's keep in mind, too, that the Tide was playing its twos and threes for most of the second half in both games, so the scores could have been far worse. So the series between the Tide and the Tigers stands at 42-34-1 in Bama's favor, and the future looks bright. With the Iron Bowl beatdown, Bama recorded its 59th win in the last five years, meaning it's averaging 11.6 wins per year with two games to go in the season. But now Bama can set the local issues aside because there are bigger fish to be fried. So we'll cruise on over to the Kennel Club in Fulton County with five 10-win seasons in a row, and as far as I'm concerned... That's best in show. Uh, Hey, after getting some feedback from a few folks, we want to make sure everybody understands that these podcasts are free. You can find us in the podcast section of iTunes or at bigbrainsmedia.com. And when you hit the subscribe button, it automatically saves and stores every show so you can listen to any or all of them anytime you like. There's also a free podcast app available for your mobile device, so you can download them onto your phone and take them with you. You can listen while you're driving, while you're working out, washing the car, looking for a new head coach, just about anything. These downloads and subscriptions cost you absolutely nothing, and we think we're worth every penny. So check out all the shows on the Big Brain's media menu, and if you like what you see, remember it's free. You know, Now that we've put the cats out and straightened out the mess in the web, it's time to turn our attention to the eastern side of the SEC, which wound up going to the dogs. The Mutts have managed to have a memorable season so far, by their standards anyway, with a rare win over Florida providing a counterweight to coming out on the short end of the cockfight with South Carolina and Columbia. And they wound up the regular season at home routing the rambling train wreck from Tech. But you know, when I've got Georgia on my mind, it's not old sweet songs and moonlight through the pines. I'm thinking about the whole day through. It's a radio show a lot of us used to listen to called Leonard's Losers. The show was created by an Athens native and Georgia grad named Leonard Anthony Postero, who went by the name Leonard Postostes on the air. And after serving as a Navy aviator during World War II, he recorded his first show in Athens in 1958. His shtick was being the likable hick, using kind of a Jerry Clower-type delivery, and he came up with great nicknames for teams, calling his hometown favorite Bulldogs the Red Clay Hounds, Florida was the Giant Water Lizards, Notre Dame was the Pope's Pupils, and the Pachyderms was his term for the Tide. He had what he called his little smart pill machine that helped him with his pigskin prognostications, and a sidekick named Percy, he did the voice for, too. Now, One time, Leonard's Losers was carried by over 1,400 radio stations, and he also had a weekly Leonard's Losers newsletter that you could snag a copy of at David & Company on campus in Tuscaloosa. Leonard retired in 1999 and passed away in 2001. Now, the show had a great run, and it was a lot of fun listening back in the day, so I gotta say that even though we pulled for different teams, it seems fitting to offer my forecast the way he might have phrased it. Alabama versus Georgia. The red clay hounds will feel right at home in the dome, because it ain't very far from home, but the pachyderms got good memories, and they'll remember that the last time they saw a beware of the dog sign, Bama had them 31 to nothing by halftime. The blackout didn't work out, and the vegetarian visitors not only won between the hedges, they were picking it out of their teeth all the way back to Tuscaloosa. Now, these dogs can bite, But they've been known to lick themselves uh, with penalties and such, that is. But by the time the ivory toters head back to T-Town, the dog show will be a no-go. Leonard's loser, Georgia. And speaking of losing, Georgia's record against Bama is 36 losses versus just 25 wins with four ties. So the Tide takes an 11-win lead in the series into the game Saturday. While Alabama ranks first, of course, in SEC championships with 22, Georgia comes in third with 12, just behind number two, Tennessee's 13. Uh, LSU comes in fourth place with 11, followed by Florida and Auburn, who both have seven, which is just two more than Georgia Tech's five, even though the Yellow Jackets left the conference in 1964. Tulane seceded from the SEC in 1966, but can claim three. Kentucky's got two, and Mississippi State owns one. Sewanee, one of the conference's founding members, left the league in the 1940s, and newer members, Arkansas, South Carolina, Missouri, and Texas A&M, have won none so far. Now, Georgia's been to the SEC Championship game four times, while Bama's played in it seven times since its inception in 1992. And Atlanta's one of the six cities the two teams have played in, uh, the other five being Athens, Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Montgomery, and dream destination Columbus, Georgia. Hey, our guest today is a Bama guy that's plugged into the scene on Saturdays, and he's been gracious enough with his time to stop by and talk a little Tide with us today. Lyle Mitchell, welcome to Bama Talk. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, it's been a great weekend. we are still, uh, still got a buzz about that big game Saturday. You're right about that. It uh, sure was a crowd pleaser and a pleaser to myself. Yep. Yeah, right off the bat... You know, of course, like we say, it is another great win, and it's great having those bragging rights for another year. You know, like I mentioned to go, Bama's got bigger fish to fry now, but there's no question winning that game makes for a better bowl season, doesn't it? It sure, it certainly does. We're, we're just uh, so elated about that. You know, the game went so well that what went almost unnoticed was that the score and the stats Auburn put up against us were almost exactly the same as Western Carolina's the week before. It's interesting to see how quickly you can forget about the last
1: game when you get focused on a rivalry that's played played out 365 days a year, isn't it? It, it certainly is, and I, I'll just add one thing that I know. It's before the game uh, Saturday, uh, walking around the sidelines. Most teams that come in to play uh, most any game, especially Alabama, they have some sense of urgency. They're fired up and all that. It wasn't present on the Auburn sidelines uh, Saturday. You know, I was wondering about that. And of course, I see you down there. And before we
0: get back to that, uh, explain to us, tell us a little bit about your connection with the university. I know you're kind of plugged into the, to the scene down there, and uh, you're pretty close to... Uh, Uh, for
1: things as far as the way things go on game day from an upper administration level. You're right, Steve, and I'll be glad to. uh, When Gene Stallings came back as head coach at the University of Alabama, I believe it was 1990, uh, his director of football operations and his brother-in-law was a fellow named Gerald Jack, whom you may remember. Yep. Uh, Coach Jack was my high school coach in Haleyville, Alabama in the late 60s. So when I heard that uh, Coach Stallings and company had come back, I gave Coach Jack a call and I said, uh, hey, we need to catch up and, uh, you know, talk Hadn't talked to you in a long time. So I went to Tuscaloosa, met with the coach and, you know, we did the what you've been doing lately and all that. And and my background for the past 35 years has been law enforcement and security. So when I told him that, he said, you know, you need to come down and and help coach uh, with security and with the team and all that and i said you know sounds like a good deal coach but i knew that the alabama state troopers were responsible for the coach and the football team so uh, a few days passed coach jack called me back and he said uh, Lyle, do you know a fellow named Randy Perkins with the University of Alabama Police Department? I said, yes, sir, I do. He and I went to rookie school together at the Law Enforcement Academy there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I know him, too. You know Randy? And uh, so I gave Randy a call, and uh, he said that he had a a security, transportation, logistics kind of uh, arrangement with the chancellor and the president and invited me to come join him, and so— the rest, they say, is history, and I've been doing that ever since.
0: What, on on a typical game day in Tuscaloosa, let's say you've got a mid afternoon kickoff, like we had the other day, two
1: thirty. What what time of day does your game day start? Well, if the kickoff is at two thirty, uh, I need to be in in Tuscaloosa over at the uh, President's Mansion or wherever the 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 thing starts about uh, two and a half hours before kickoff. So I'm usually there about that time. Okay. Now, once you leave the president's mansion, assuming that's where you leave from
0: in most cases, right there across from Denny Chimes, Right. Uh, what What do you do then? Do you, you head straight
1: to the stadium or, or you, you visit with people? How's that work out? Visit with a lot of people to start with. And, and if the uh, president, the chancellor have other commitments prior to the game, we will go do that. If not, we'll go directly to the stadium and and uh, do our routine there. Now, as far as the the president and his retinue, uh,
0: what's it like for them, you know, working their way through the crowd and the people, because there are people just everywhere, uh-huh. uh, you know, and it's, and I, and they're enthusiastic. And, and in most cases, I'm sure people are just curious and want to say, Hey, or shake a hand or, you know that kind of thing, but what's uh, what's it like for for the President and his group working their way through the crowd that day? Do they
1: enjoy that, or is that something that they try to get through as quick as they can? They do enjoy it and would love to spend more time talking to the people than what they get to do. Unfortunately, for them, they're on a, on a time constraint schedule, and so we kind of have to move from point A to point B uh, fairly quickly uh to to meet the commitments that they already have. So you're not just gonna linger at in one spot unnecessarily. Not if we can help it. Uh although the the fans and the people there they they uh really appreciate the President, and the Chancellor and their support of the athletic program primarily and you know want a chance to say hello. Well I am
0: not very familiar with uh, Miss Bonner who recently took over uh but I do Uh, know that um, Dr. Witt just did a fabulous job. And I'm really kind of sorry that he's been moved up to the chancellor's position because uh, the things that have been going on on campus and uh, with the programs and the facilities and the grounds... Uh, while he was president and in charge are just fabulous. Uh, uh, I, I I really feel like, uh, to the extent that I'm qualified to judge, that he's the best president we've had since Frank Rose. And of course, Frank Rose is the man that hired Coach Bryant in 1958. Uh, but I do know some people that uh, had some personal interactions uh, that had a student uh, at the University of Alabama who got very sick with cancer, uh, uh, had a prolonged illness and passed away. But before uh, all that played itself out. Uh, Dr. Witt does an absolutely wonderful job of taking care of those people and seeing that their not only their academic needs were met, but that their human needs were met. And he, I'll, I'll always be a fan of Dr. Robert Witt. And uh, I think the university system is very, very fortunate to have a man of his integrity and his intelligence and his leadership in position now. When you guys get to the stadium, uh, what's the first thing What's, the, what's your first station? Where do you go
1: first? We usually go up to the uh, box that's, that's been designated as the President's Box, where uh, various guests of different statues are, are entertained and invited in to, to watch the game at the President's request or the Chancellor, whoever's doing the invitations so it's kind of like a kind of like a house party there it is it, it's located right next to the ivory club on the west side of the stadium right below the press box and
0: now more important than all that do you actually get to watch the football
1: game you know it's funny you ask that because uh, <laughs> most people that see me think that oh you just get to go watch the games and actually uh, second and third quarter, I get to see a pretty good bit of that, unless there's something else going on. But you know, first quarter is spent getting in and getting situated. Fourth quarter is spent leaving. So it's it's not as glamorous as as one might think. Yeah. Well, I noticed too. Uh, of course, I've
0: seen you on the sidelines in the pregame situations a number of times. You're always uh, several of you down there.
1: Uh, what's what's basically going on pregame on the field for, with you guys? Well, uh, if the athletics has decided to have some kind of pregame ceremony, whether it's giving national championship rings to the golf team or the gymnastic team or whatever. Which is a fairly regular occurrence at Alabama. It really is. Uh, It's it's unbelievable. Or some kind of special presentation to another group that they want the president the chancellor to participate in, we would do that.
0: Yeah. Now, of all the times you've spent – on the sideline pregame or or during the game that kind of thing what are some of the interesting things you've seen that that a lot of people may miss or they're just not close enough to notice what's what any interesting incidents
1: that have gone on down there not so many interesting incidents because you know the football team and the head coach and his his assistants they they run the sidelines and they control the sidelines there's always a cadre of, of photographers and reporters and recruits and friends of the university and just you might see any number of people of different venues there. You know, it was a gorgeous day the other day. Beautiful fall day for football.
0: It's cold, but it was clear and dry crowds of people everywhere. The Iron, Bell, Iron Bowl's always been an exciting event, but you know, this one may have been the most relaxed I've ever seen it because I guess most people felt like Bama would win the game fairly easily. Uh, everybody was having fun and it was as festive as ever, but there just wasn't that gut-wrenching nervous nervousness you usually get at that game, was there,
1: Saturday. Did you notice that? I did notice that, and uh, you know, I'm always the eternal, eternal worrier, uh, even though we were favored by so many points. You know, it should be that the opposing team gives you something to worry about and the line was so great Saturday that it just was almost like a scrimmage game. Oh I've told many
0: people uh, I I didn't care about a 30-point line. I've been to so many Iron Bowls over the years and I know the intensity both teams play with and, uh, and, and that is a game that you can really throw the records out because once they get out there and start knocking heads it doesn't matter what it says on the paper. And before the game, uh, I expressed to a, uh, a lot of people that asked me my opinion. I said, "Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's a toss-up. Football's not round; it doesn't bounce straight. Funny things can happen, and we've seen it over the years. So you got to show up, and you got to you got to you got to play. And uh, I certainly am glad it turned out the way it did, uh, but there was there was no guarantee that it was going to do that. And one thing again, that I was like mentioning a minute ago, that's pretty interesting." is that only one week before we had beat Western Carolina by the exact same
1: score. That's exactly right. And I, I remember telling some friends of mine that I would, I would be satisfied with a repeat of that, had, <laughs> having no idea what happened that way.
0: Now, here's what's also interesting to me from a football standpoint. Uh, in that game, uh, in the Iron Bowl, Auburn had seven first downs against us. Western Carolina had eight. And they both had, again, the exact same amount of total offensive yardage 163 yards.
1: That's amazing. It is amazing and, and, and who would have predicted it?
0: And, and you know and, and quite honestly as close as I pay attention or think I'm paying attention I didn't notice it until the next day. Right. Uh, you know after the game that that had occurred because you know you get through playing Western Carolina and it's one of those games that you go play and then it's done you forget about it all of a sudden it's Iron Bowl week. And then all of a sudden you look up and I'll be darned, it's the same score. Now, I'm sure Auburn fans are not real happy about the fact that we beat them by the same score we beat Western Carolina. And I know they had a really bad year, but hey, look at the money they're going to save on a highlight video this year. That's exactly
1: right. (laughs) If I could go back one minute, you're talking about Dr. Witt, and and I just had to say this about him. Uh, Dr. Witt is a recruiter in the same vein as Coach Saban. Uh, Dr. Witt is a quiet operator. He's behind the scenes, but he is intense. He goes after students and prospective students at the university, and uh, he goes after the high performers. Uh, I think that I heard somewhere that we have almost as many out-of-state students at Alabama now as we have in-state. The growth has been phenomenal, and you can thank Dr. Robert Witt for that. Yeah,
0: uh, enrollment now uh, is up over slightly over 33,000. Uh, the, the growth of the university under his administration was remarkable, and it actually uh, exceeded uh, the goals uh, ahead of time uh, uh, several years ago. Uh, anybody that's been to Tuscaloosa can see the campus has grown. They've purchased that par- uh, property east of campus where the uh, Bryce complex used to be. Of course, we're landlocked to the north by the river. Uh, and then to the west by town. So uh, east is the way the campus can really grow. But uh, I, I, we're going to see a lot of new things. And and if you haven't been to campus recently, and you drive through there, and especially just the surrounding areas right at the edge of campus, you will be act- just amazed at the construction, the renovation, uh, the new things that are going up, uh, the improvements that are being made. It's it's really amazing. Uh, You know, speaking of amazing, you know, the visiting team usually gets about 10,000 tickets, you know, for these. Right, right. uh, But there were actually a few empty seats the other day here and there, which is unusual for an Iron Bowl. Uh, I've never seen fewer visiting fans for this game before. Did you notice,
1: uh, I think most of the people that came from Auburn were in the band. Well, I did notice looking around. I kept looking for the contingent of, of orange and blue in the stadium, and it just wasn't there. And walking around the stadium and the campus before the game a little bit, there were tickets everywhere. I mean, one could buy a ticket on every street corner, it seemed like.
0: Well, it's, it's unusual. Now, does that have an effect with fewer visiting fans and fewer opportunities for people to get upset with each other? Does that make your
1: job easier? sometimes it does uh it was almost the the feeling around it was a foregone conclusion that alabama was going to win the game by many 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 people and there was not much dispute of that fact by the auburn fans that i noticed you know right now changing the subject and turning a corner you got auburn arkansas
0: tennessee kentucky just from the sec looking for new head coaches of course north carolina state just fired their guy too uh how would you rank those four SEC jobs right now? Rank them today in terms of the most
1: attractive to a prospective head coach? I would say that uh, probably Tennessee and Arkansas would be at the top of that list. Uh, Kentucky would probably be at the bottom. Uh, Auburn is an unknown right now. And the reason I say that is with this uh, NCAA investigation going on, you don't know whether they're going to be officially investigated or if they're going to ask questions and and what it means if that goes on and something worse happens down the road, how would a coach look at that? Would they say, hey, I'll go in and I've got three or four years, kind of a freebie that I don't have to do anything because I can't do anything and build a program up? Or would they say, I don't want to wait that long to be successful. I've got to go elsewhere. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, you know, normally uh, under regular, normal
0: circumstances, I would say Tennessee would be the best of the four jobs from a resources and a tradition standpoint, a national prestige standpoint. And Auburn would be second, slightly ahead of Arkansas. But with the conditions and circumstances being where they are right now, uh, with Arkansas having the resources they have and no real in-state rival, uh, you'd have to put them second, or at least I would. So yeah. I, I kind of agree with you on that. You spent a good time on the field and the sidelines. Uh, are there any things with that you've seen with players and teams and coaches that you get to pick up on you
1: wouldn't get to see in the stands? The tremendous amount of respect the Alabama players have for Coach Saban and his staff is, is evident to me. Of course, I look for things like that too. The, the attention they put play there's not a lot of horse play going on on the sidelines behind the coaches they're they're in, involved in watching the game knowing what down it is what's going to happen next of course the coaches encourage that but the players are still very attuned to hey I might have to go in now I might have to go in in the next play or something like that it's just very disciplined and it's it shows off in the results Yeah, it really does.
0: Uh, Now that we've, like we were saying before, kind of got this local rivalry business taken care of, we got those bigger fish to fry. And that means we're heading to Atlanta this Saturday. Will you be going
1: over with the uh, traveling party? Are you going as a fan or, or,
0: or going at all?
1: I'll be going over, doing the advanced team for the Chancellor of the President. We'll go over a couple of days earlier, uh, do the walkthroughs, do the walkarounds, make sure I that we you. know where we go when we need to go and all that. There you go. Okay. Yep. So that so there's probably not a whole lot of stress in the
0: first couple of days anyway. So it's kind of like you say, a walkthrough and gives you a chance to know kind of what's
1: going to be going on that day of the day of the game. So there's no real big surprises. Shouldn't be, and it's kind of a rehearsal. It's not not unlike a a football practice, and then you get up to the point and it's game day, and then you have to perform. Okay, the football part. Have you gotten to watch Georgia this year any? Not much at all. Seen a few clips of them on television because I'm usually either coming or going when they're playing, so I haven't been able to pay a lot of attention to Georgia. Yeah, one of their stars has been quoted
0: on Twitter and Facebook and in the media saying that he feels like they have better players at every position pretty strong yeah yeah so I, I got a hunch that's probably made it to the locker room wall in Tuscaloosa uh and our guys may not agree with that but I will say you know having watched them uh, Georgia is is certainly a very very talented team and they do
1: have a number of guys that will play in the NFL uh, have, I think you're right I think that uh strength wise they're going to be one of the strongest teams we've played uh let's face it we went through the first half of the season with not a lot of competition I mean, we, we were that good, and the wake-up call with Texas A&M, we were fortunate enough to bounce back from that, and I think that the team's focus is on playing a complete game every game, regardless of the competition, but Georgia will be a formidable opponent. Yeah, I think you're right, but I would amend that somewhat
0: and say that I think part of the reason uh, we looked, it looked like we weren't playing a lot of strong teams it was because we were, Uh, Now, Michigan's not a world beater this year, but they were ranked number eight when we played them, I believe. That's right. And we pretty much dominated the game. Now, I think they finished the season with possibly eight and three or something like nine and three, maybe eight and four, something like that. But a pretty good team. And then, of course, uh, up until LSU and Texas A&M, which are to date the two best teams we've played, we pretty well dominated every game. Uh, and and played most of the third and fourth quarter of most games with backup players which is good you're right Uh, getting back to georgia though uh georgia's always seemed to me like sort of the eastern version of lsu very mercurial very dynamic they can be hot as a firecracker one saturday and the next saturday you're just not quite
1: sure what to thinking about right they're not consistent uh you can't you can't Predict what they're going to do on any given Saturday. And of course, Atlanta's only about an hour away from Athens, but the ticket split will
0: be about even. So uh, they won't really have a home field advantage, uh, but it's going to be right there in their neighborhood. Uh, I don't know. I I, I feel good about our kids' chances. I think when saban has got time to prepare the team and spend some time getting ready, I like our chances. I agree. Uh, But, uh, you know, the the, the great thing about it is, too, we we were talking just the other day with the win the other night was our 59th win in the last five years. That's off the charts. Right now, we're averaging, over in the last five years, over 11 wins per season. Uh, that's a new SEC record. And it's also the first time, believe it or not, in the 120-something history of football at the University of Alabama, we've had five 10-win seasons in a row. I didn't realize that. So with two games to go, because we'll play Georgia, and then we'll be in a bowl of some type somewhere. It's possible we could end the year with 61 wins, divided by 12 over the last uh yeah about five five by five excuse me over the last five seasons we could actually wind up averaging 12 wins a season over a five-year period that is completely off the charts it is you're exactly right and i it's it's uh unheard of and not matched you know it's so when people got all upset about the losing a four or five point game to texas a and i'm sure we were all disappointed but uh it was real easy to think everything was over too soon uh because it uh, Texas A&M's got a good team with one really great player, the kid may wind up winning the Heisman Trophy this year. And right. if I had a vote, he'd get it. Uh, I wish we had
1: another shot at him. I do too. But you know, he he probably will. And people lose sight of the Heisman is is who is the best player on a team that contributed to their success. And and I think it's Johnny Menzel.
0: Well, you know, and it took that kind of effort from that kind of player to turn the trick on us. LSU's an excellent team with a lot of great athletes, you know, so it's hard to look good when you're playing great competition. You know, the other guys are going to make plays too now and then, but I like where we are. And again, here we are, all of a sudden we're back at number two and the whole rest of the country's all lathered up because number three is Georgia number four is Florida So, one of us, Alabama or Georgia, is going to wind up playing Notre Dame for the national championship, Uh, and if Notre Dame had lost, it would have been two SEC teams in the national championship game. So, all this
1: stuff about SEC fatigue, my response to that is, get over it. That's right. You know, get on the train or get off, and it just shows, again, how strong the SEC is. Yeah, my pastor says, deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the way I feel about it, too. I mean, if
0: they get tired of it, get a better football team. That's right. That's you know, exactly it's right. if you don't like it, do something about it. But the SEC's not going away, and I certainly know Alabama's not. That's right. You're you know, exactly we, right. Yeah. The great thing about, you know, bowl season, SEC championship game, is we get to spend another week preparing for a good team. Then we get to spend, after the guys take a few days off for the holidays and Christmas, basically spend another month, basically, it amounts to another spring practice, getting ready for the bowl count. So while all the teams that aren't going to bowls this year, some of them nearby, uh, are packing the uniforms up and you know, uh, basically doing nothing, we get to practice and work these new kids in um, you know, so it's it's just a great process. Lyle, uh, it's just been a ball having you come by today. It's really interesting hearing about your involvement with the uh, the President's Party on game day in Tuscaloosa. I appreciate you taking time to come by and share that. If
1: somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? They can uh, email me at my email address is LyleMitchell at BellSouth.net, or they can call me at area code 205 Thank you, buddy, and roll tide. Roll tide, Steve. Hey, you know, you want to win a game, you gotta have a winning
0: game plan. And let's face it, most of us don't like the look of our retirement planning playbook. So if you'd like to learn more about building a better financial future, go to annuitiesalabama.com today. Check out the bullet points on that webpage, and you'll see they can help you take advantage of strategies that are safe and smart that'll get you across that retirement goal line. The game clock's running, folks. So take action now and call a play today. That's annuities alabama.com. Hey, we're having a lot of fun with our Bama Talk Facebook page, so check it out and chime in because we want to hear from you and we enjoy knowing where you're listening from. If you're going to be in Atlanta and at the bowl game later on, let us know what's going on with you and your crowd. If you're not already aware, Bama Talk is just one of several free shows online at bigbrainsmedia.com. We have what we think is the best online weather show there is. It's called Weather Brains with our main man, James Spann. Our women's show, Eavesdrop, is hitting it big all over North America. And for you college football fans, we have a brand new show called Auburn Unleashed with Adam Clayton that's going to dig into everything that's going on down on the plains these days. We're having a ball bringing Bama Talk to you, and we really look forward to talking about the tide all the way through the bowl season and beyond. We're right in the middle of another golden era of Bama athletics, and we hope you'll hit that subscribe button and be a regular part of Bama Talk. If you'd like to drop me a line, share photos, donate Sky Miles, or recommend a good plastic surgeon, my email address is steve at bamatalkshow.com. Well, it's about time to head for the locker room, but we'll be right back with more Bama Talk, and we hope you'll tune in again. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and Roll Tide.